stealing is good because it basically means that instead of reinventing the wheel and starting from scratch, you typically don't have to, you don't need to start from scratch in most of the cases. When you think about any project that you might have, there are people before you that you can already learn from that have done it and that have done it well. You're listening to Digital Surfing and my name is Darren Smith. My guest this week is Irina Chuchikina, the Chief Marketing Officer at Tunes, a global fintech building modern payment infrastructure connecting developed and emerging markets. She's an enthusiastic and long-term member of the fintech community. She's a fintech marketer with approximately 17 years of experience building world-class brands at the intersection of payments and technology across Europe and Asia. Let's go surfing with Irina. All right. Welcome, Marina. It's so good to have you on the show today. Thanks for uh, having me. You are in snowing March, London. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, the weather has not been very pleasant, but I'm hoping for uh, good news weather-wise really soon. But uh, you've stayed in kind of six countries uh, before being in London now. Is, I mean, are you settled in London or are you kind of craving some Singapore weather? What's the situation? So, yeah, I guess to give the listeners a little bit more context, indeed, I'm in my sixth country right now. I was born in Poland. Then my parents brought me to Czech Republic. Then we came to Russia, which is where my family is from. Then from Russia, I went to France for like a little exchange study, came back to Russia. And then I moved to Singapore, where I've spent about eight years until July last year, when uh, my family and I all packed our bags and moved to the UK. Don't regret the decision, but I do miss a little bit of sun in Singapore. <laughs> and so out of all those six countries, uh, what, what do you have a favorite? Do I have a favorite? No, I don't think I can call it a favorite, but I do really like calling myself local in a few of those destinations. And yes, there are some really, really fond memories of, well, each part of the journey. I think the beauty of the modern world of modern world is a little bit like yourself, Darren, as you were talking to me about your plans, is that ability to sometimes change scenery, first of all, but also expose yourself to some of those other cultures and hopefully have a place where you belong, but then at the same time be, well, be able to learn from all of those wonderful experiences around the world. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I love traveling. So moving on just from that kind of brief introduction, talk about the weather and that type of thing. What about your professional background? Can you give the listeners kind of a general overview of where what you've done and what you're currently doing? Of course, sure. So I am uh, a fintech enthusiast and a marketeer by profession. Somewhere between these two fields, I have some without really even noticing and I've spent about 17 years of professional career. So within large global brands such as Visa, and uh, some of the startups or scale-ups also across continents, Europe and Asia. Currently, I am CMO at a fintech platform, global fintech scale-up called Tunes. Tunes is building payment infrastructure for uh, to move money between developed and emerging markets. Well, okay, so quite a bit in kind of fintech and dynamic. Did you, I mean, was it literally falling into fintech or, or was it purposeful? Oh, that's always a good question. Quite honestly, I think I was uh, since I've I've started touching financial services and payments specifically. I fall in love with that industry. It's an ever evolving, super dynamic, very exciting space which has a lot of 
recent, you know, new trends, new technologies that keep pop up from sometimes interesting, very interesting kind of origins and sources. So there's a quite a lot of facets within fintech as well. So whether it's, you know, embedded finance, open banking, buy now, pay later, you're just constantly learning. And that's something that I have been enjoying so far. And I don't see myself, I don't know, changing that in near future. All right. So today's episode, we're going to like kind of focus on the concept of, uh, you know, it, it may, the word may not sound very positive, but the concept of stealing. So in preparation for today, we spoke about the book, Steal Like an Artist, which you absolutely love. What is that book all about? So uh, it, it is indeed one of my favorite books and something that I have been inspired and um, every day. So the concept of the book is that nothing is really original. Originality is just undetected plagiarism. So I, and I think if I were to explain it in a little bit more kind of uh, simple way is if you think about the, the name of the book is Steal Like an Artist. So if you think about artists, they all belong, typically they belong to a school. They follow a master, they choose a master, and they try to copy him or her. And then as they learn how to copy, they start evolving and coming up with something original, with something new. And there are some really, really important insights that I have taken from it. That Some of those things that really, I'm just coming back to them again and again is, first of all, surrounding yourself with good things, good people and good sources of inspiration. And that inspiration can come from different places. So from, you know, again, books and people and experiences and travel. So I think the authorism summarizes really well as well. He said that basically, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. So I really like that. So trying to just uh, sort of curate and uh, mindfully, intentionally expose yourself to great things and great examples of whatever it is that you're you're working on is going to help you to learn from it and then to elevate your own uh, sort of standard as well. And then the, another thing is... Um, so one of the things that he was saying is you have to write the book that you want to read, or I think in the, in the terms of podcast, produce the podcast that you'd like to listen to. So that's what you are doing. So you start by maybe copying what you love and then creating something that is really going to stand out and go well that the people around you will be enjoying. And one thing that I've learned from it is that apparently even... Uh, a lot of the musical music bands, such as Beatles, started as cover bands. So they started by covering other people and then they've developed their own style. I hope that sold, sort of sells the book well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I mean, before discovering this book, did you find that you were kind of doing this without having a name for it? Or were you trying to come up with things like original, putting all that pressure on yourself to be very original? And it wasn't when you read the book that that something flipped. I'm basically trying to find out like if you're doing this prior to the book, but calling it something else. I, th I think I had a little bit of that natural tendency, but it wasn't probably as well structured and it wasn't sort of systemic. I have been keeping notes or taking, again, like photos and screenshots of different things for a relatively long time. And Notion, as well as other other software tools, existed. Uh, sorry, what was the first? Evernote? I think that's the one that I started yeah. losing uh, maybe 10 years ago. I can't remember. But basically, yes, I was trying to kind of collate and collect a little bit of those pieces. But I don't think I've ever put the 
my energy into it. And the book has just moved me, helped me to nudge me, I guess, to be a little bit more intentional about it. I think intention is really when you have a little bit of that framework, it usually just helps you to uh, to, to make more out of your natural habits. I generally think that we shouldn't be changing ourselves who we are. So, but building on the things that are naturally interesting to us is probably one of the best things that you can do. Help so take your natural strengths or your natural interest and then elevate the level of or the kind of the maybe the structure, adding more structure to it. So you mentioned in there that kind of systemization of this process. And then you also mentioned kind of Evernote. So how how have you kind of built this into how you operate on a day-to-day basis? I must say that I'm using a lot. Well, I'm stealing a lot. Okay. So, right. That, yeah. That's probably a kind of a confession that many people would not be expecting from me. Uh, stealing is good because it basically means that instead of inventing, reinventing the wheel and starting from scratch, you typically don't have to. You don't need to start from scratch in most of the cases. When you think it about any project that you might have, there were people before you. And there will be people after you, but like there are people before you that you can already learn from that have done it and that have done it well. Um, in the space where I operate, which is marketing, a lot of the things that we're trying to kind of to consider or to launch and to do, most of those things are in a public space, right? So it's not like we need to discover, dig, or somehow use and tell in order to find those secrets. We just need to observe a little bit more. In my day-to-day life, there's quite a lot of components, obviously, within the marketing organization and you know different types of projects, but I'm stealing uh, strategies. I'm stealing definitely design and content in general is one of the... It's not stealing, basically. You just collect the good pieces of things that really inspire you things that are do that have been done really well and sometimes you can actually notice the approach to this right so it's not just the execution but also a little bit of the thinking behind sometimes frameworks i'm sure you've seen a lot of those people on on linkedin that are well i'm a very big on linkedin so I, linkedin and twitter probably are the two really powerful social media where people do like to share insights and uh, I'm saving a lot of those in my different folders for different examples. I have a huge bookmark folder. I have a ton of screenshots and organized in albums on my phone as I'm sort of browsing things. I have notes. I have podcasts, notes, a separate kind of a little archive or, I don't know, digest of the, some of the best podcast tips and examples. I, I wish it was a little bit better organized, but there are things typically associated with growth and growing the business and growing the startup, metrics that should be we should be looking at, different strategies and tactics that would be that, that can help you to kind of activate that growth. There are things associated with team building. What is the best and ideal composition of a team and how do you kind of evolve my, how do I evolve my marketing team and in which direction? Some of the strategies, marketing strategies, how do you organize a product launch? What is the structure of the go-to-market? How do you outline that? How do you approach that? What is the, you know, some of the principles of account-based marketing, which is really important and for any B2B organization. So I'm kind of, I wanted to make it a little bit more tangible. And obviously there's a ton of really good design. Really, there's so much amazing, amazing stuff. I'm go- I'm I'm also a very big user on Pinterest of Pinterest, and uh, Behance and Dribble. So there is a few of those really powerful tools and channels where you can go and just get be blown away by fantastic, fantastic design. 
Yeah, so what I take out from that is there is a fair amount of technology involved here. And I think filing is so important because I, I actually do find like listening to you speak, I do find myself screenshotting LinkedIn posts and that type of thing. But like you say, your filing could be improved. My filing is that those screenshots are just in between everything else on my phone. So yeah, I think that I'll, I'll certainly take uh, that as a kind of lesson from today is to kind of at least create some sort of foldering. I can help you. There is one very short and easy tip, which is you, there is an automated folder on, on uh, iPhone, which will just where you can just find all of your screenshots, and then uh-huh. it will be easier to select the ones that are worth worth keeping. Awesome. Okay. Cool. I'm going to go and take a look at that straight, and straight after. Just to go to, to the one thing that is uh, the final probably component is not just about keeping them for yourself, but then as you develop a brief, you include all of those references for any kind of as a design direction. For or the kind of the brief direction for if you look, I don't know, if you're speaking to a social media agency, these are the types of posts that I would like to see, for instance. And that gives them a much more tangible direction, destination. What, what do we want to achieve? Yeah, it's a very good tip. I mean, you know, we're busy in the process of rebuilding our own website at the moment. And the question the creators ask is, is which websites do you like? And I found myself going down a deep hole of looking at websites for hours and hours and hours. And weirdly enough, not finding anything in the moment, but had I been saving all these websites I've seen over the last few months, it would have been a much, much easier task. Yeah, totally. I, I know what you're talking about. I can send you a couple from my collection. <laughs> so so talking about then like kind of agencies, I mean, you've, you've had some kind of positive and negative experiences with agencies. I mean, like before we go into kind of the concept of agency stealing and that type of thing, what has been like some of the factors that have led to positive and negative experiences? Well, in general, I think if we, well, first of all, we all should have some failures and should have negative and positive experiences, right? Otherwise, we probably haven't done enough if we don't have them. So by this time, after what, 17 years in marketing, I definitely have some of my, both both of those experiences typically, and I must confess, like the majority is really positive. But there are things that we're probably well, have some regrets. And I do regret spending sometimes money and time on working with agencies or freelancers or designers and or some other people, experts that are just mediocre, that they don't have the right methodology, or we don't speak the same language, or we don't have the same standards. So, and as much as our journey with uh, agencies and providers and vendors is exploration, experimentation, and seeing what works, one of the most important thing is, I kind of know what good looks like to me. I know it's subjective, but like, I know roughly what I would be kind of looking for. So, and if that alignment on what good looks like is not really coming in the first you know, maybe weeks of interaction, it probably doesn't make sense to to continue. You can improve, but an improvement from 10 to 90% is going to be harder to make than say, I don't know, 75 to 90, right? Or 80% to 90. So basically it depends on what, what is that base. And then indeed, my some of my experiences with the best agencies have actually been involving a lot of stealing. They are the better agencies, really have mastered the art of stealing or tweaking or being inspired by the best works. And the best agencies have also really high standards and they want to win awards and they're looking at other award winners or maybe they're looking at other really impactful works and projects and they want to replicate that success, but with a twist, right? With a little bit of their own personality. In fact, the more they steal, the better better they become. 
Okay, so the, the immediate thing that came to my mind when I thought about this was the quantity of washing detergent ads that I've seen that have the cliched mom that has a, a son that's played football and now has a grass stain on his clothing and she has to wash this thing and the detergent works better than any others. I mean, like that is not what you're referring to in terms of stealing, right? <laughs> no, I, I probably don't. But there are some really good and powerful, you know, consumer brands that we know have sort of typically it does come from the client, right? Not from the agency. So the, the client is looking to experiment. And that's where good things and when good things happen. So Dove's campaign with, you know, empowering women and uh, the fact that beauty comes in different shapes and forms and sizes and colors, I think is a powerful, is a really great and kind of good reminder, a good, really powerful statement. But it came from the probably a, a differently formulated brief. So, I, and I think that's where the power of kind of the core idea is also going to be really important. But talking about some of the things that have been stolen very, very many times, literally the one of the most stolen project that I've ever seen is probably, is actually a good example that I, I don't mind people stealing. Apple's product videos, especially related to iPhone launches, are typically mm -hmm. among some of the best. And there is one specific, which is called Don't Blink, that have been, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's basically a very short and very snappy video, which is built on text animation. But that text animation is completely in sync with this really powerful, energetic beat. So like when the beat changes, the pace of the, the animation changes. And it's been probably stolen and by so many people. And I actually do think that it made things better. Like a lot of people that are in the creative industry would understand where the what the original reference is. But I think it's just a very impactful, a good way to to tell a story. And some people do it better. Well, do it well. Some people are probably not investing enough time and effort, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good kind of formulaic approach that you can just uh, leverage across any industry. It works across, uh, again, like multiple dimensions, multiple products, multiple models. Okay. I think you've taken care of all my fears that if everybody starts stealing, everything's going to kind of look the same, feel the same. But I suppose what I'm taking out from it is it's more about the inspiration than a direct copy and paste. Oh, for sure. So yes, I think like as much as the the name of the book and that big statement still like an artist is sort of using that very powerful kind of word of stealing, it really is about exposing yourself and making sure that you have a little bit of that sort of savviness when of when you uh, quantity does matter and quality will matter as well of course but making sure that you have a little bit of that savviness and that almost like saturate saturation around you will help you to generate and to will inspire you to create better results so it's not copy and paste it's not just taking one piece of work or one item or one strategy and just directly replicating it it's taking one thing here and then a design principle, I don't know, design language from this, and then, uh, I don't know, a channel approach uh, somewhere else, or a really clever copy, I don't know, and just trying to replicate the same tone of voice. And then mm -hmm. once you combine those things together, that creates really powerful results. Yeah, and I suppose you've answered the, the, the next question I was going to ask is, is around 
kind of what should be stolen, but it's not just design, it's not just copy, it's not just a tagline, it, it's inclusive of strategy and, and channel, uh, go-to-market plans, all that type of thing. I suppose what you can make quite a unique thing in the end if you com- if you combine several things into your own, plus obviously add your own flavor. Yes, absolutely. So when everyone's copying, definitely doesn't make that much sense. That's when I probably think that this principle fails. So I think it, when it succeeds is when you copy and add value or okay, add so, a piece of that personality. So let's talk about some practical examples. Like, do you have, I mean, like, have you got any examples of other stuff you've taken this approach to that has been successful or seen other brands that you've picked up have potentially kind of stolen and got inspiration from something else? and have carried it through. Have you seen anybody that's done or got any examples of, of how this has been done well? So I think I've already shared a couple of examples of the Dove campaigns that actually has inspired also some other brands to also make a little bit more of those statements. I know that in the fintech space, a lot of companies are being inspired by Stripe and Stripe's attention to good design, uh, so good products is has always been at the kind of the core the, of the business, but good design and very strong attention to sort of product marketing and articulation of how they're good is something that is inspiring the whole fintech industry. So I I don't know if ever anyone would be listening to this podcast from Stripe, but my kudos to the whole team, please pass on with the compliments. They're they're doing an amazing job and they're just elevated. They have elevated the level of the whole industry. So I think I really am really proud of them pushing everyone, the boundaries of what's not just what's possible, but also what's expected. So there are some sort of more tactical examples, which I really do like when it's happening again, when people will go on LinkedIn, they sometimes try to replicate some of the style and, uh, you know, the, kind of this content approach of some other companies and some other brands. And again, I feel like it's, uh, everyone's just getting better. It's a natural, like it just pushes and incentivizes the natural evolution of hopefully better quality, moving everyone towards better quality, more creativity, more um more impact and more substance as well i think it's the one thing that we have been probably not touched so much throughout this whole conversation is that we're talking a lot about the executional level but i think it really 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 is important to make sure that it's not just the form it's also the substance substance so you can't just produce a brilliant blog post and that it's looking all sparkly and whatever very well designed and like all of the headers are there and there's a snappy headline but the substance is missing you have to make sure that you invest time and energy into creating that value which is about you know generating good insights giving some interesting point of view using the right data points and a kind of a ideally collection of those data points so it's not just one source and that is you know probably doesn't add credibility to your item. So I think a combination of substance, good, good substance and strong form, I think to me is a, probably the the best thing, again, that I would encourage everyone to invest time in. All right. On the counter side of that, I mean, like, are there any examples that you've seen that have kind of failed or have not been like executed well? Uh, well, it's a very interesting question. I would definitely not be calling any names, but I think we kind of know <laughs> because we are all observing the same examples of, you know, almost exactly the same looking webinars, exactly the same looking and feeling posts on some people. 
It's unfortunately, I think if I if we, I need to sort of quantify it subjectively, my guesstimate would be that eighty percent is just blind copy. Twenty percent, if we're lucky, twenty percent would be copy with value added. So, no specific examples. I'm sorry. All right. Well, let's end off uh, with my final question for you today. As you mentioned, you've got 17 years of marketing experience, six countries you've been into, some really awesome brands that you've been involved in. Like, what is a lesson that you've learned along the way that you think every marketer, or maybe not even a marketer, every business person should be aware of or adopt? Uh, What is your piece of advice? So in the spirit of stealing, I did, uh, as I was thinking about that big kind of lesson learned, I actually did want to encourage people to follow the advice by Seth Godin, so a very big marketeer. And that advice and that tip is people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. So that is actually the statement. So if you convince, if you make sure that your customer wants to buy from you, they would find every way and they would justify every price. So if we remember that, I think that is a, a really powerful, powerful lesson that I've I've learned in my journey. Yeah, I love that. It's a really, really cool way to end off today's podcast. Arena, thanks so much for joining us there on Digital Surfing. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Derek. <laughs>